Good morning. I just keep having the, the thought that our God does all things well. That's a strange statement, perhaps, in light of everything that is going on in our world today. And people struggle with that, perhaps, because they would say, well, if our God does everything well, just in the United States, but the whole West Coast is on fire, the whole East Coast is underwater, Houston's digging out, social unrest in every major city, that's just the United States, not counting the rest of the world where a myriad of situations that could be deemed as negative are occurring. And then for me to stand up and say our God does everything well seems almost like an ironic statement. You think about just in a crowd our size that on any given day, Someone among us is having the very best day of their life, while just across the aisle, someone is having the very worst day of their life. And God is still God. And though he gets pinned with a lot of things that we say, well, if he's so powerful and so authoritative, then why does he let bad things happen? And God is simply saying, I have put together a planet and I have put in motion laws of nature. And every once in a while I step in and halt those. And every once in a while I do miraculous things in the midst of those. But I am not the one who does bad things even though I am with you when you go through bad things. Because... In the very center of that hurricane right now that we're all praying so hard against, there is God. Right in the eye of that storm, there is God. And we so many times question why uh, do natural disasters occur and those of us who aren't all that intelligent but yet understand a little bit about it understand that because of the cycles of weather and seasons and, and uh, there are just things that happen naturally on this planet that we can't explain. Yet when you begin to see as many things as are happening right now around us even the person who is not super spiritual must come to the realization that somehow God must be trying to get somebody's attention. Any of us who have read the word at all and studied the occurrences of scripture know that God is in the storm, and yet he is also in the gentle breeze that blows across that hammock that so many of us wish we could spend our life in. But God does everything well. 
And I have to think that though this is not some curse and it is not God's way of of spitefully telling man this is what you get, I still have to believe that the prophecies in the scripture that said this would happen are happening because our God who does everything well wants to save over 7 billion people and take them to heaven. And I think that that occurrence is coming really soon. The signs point that way, don't they? Many people will look at these events and simply say, ah, it's just nature. Ah, things have continued like they have forever. Because for thousands of years now, people have been saying, where is your God? He said he's coming, but where is he? Why does he delay his return? You as a church are always talking about the second coming of Christ, the return of Christ for the church. You're always talking about the end of all things. You Christians are nuts. You're insane. You're crazy. These things are just happening because this is just the way this volatile planet erupts from time to time. But I think there's more to it. Today we're going to talk about seizing the prophets of Baal. And I want you to get your Bible and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. In the 40th verse there, it says, Elijah told them, seize the prophets of Baal, don't let any of them escape. And the people seized them and Elijah took them to the Kishon River and slaughtered them there. I want to tell you a story. I have a lot of notes here, but I don't know. I may just kind of walk around. We'll see. I may not stick too closely to them. This is a story about a prophet named Elijah and a king named Ahab, married to Jezebel, who were the kings over God's people, but they led God's people into idolatry. Some people think that Ahab completely rejected Jehovah and served other gods. Others don't think that is what happened. Probably is not what happened. More than likely what happened is that even though Ahab continued to remember Yahweh, he tried to add Baal to their group of gods, if you will. And just by trying to add another God, even if you hang on to the one that you know is real, makes you an idolater. That's message number one. For all of those who say, I love the Lord, I believe that Jesus is God, I believe that that God is on the throne, I believe all of that, but I also have other things that I like to follow, I read other things, I study other things, I would simply say to you, if you have any other gods besides the only one true God, you are just as bad as King Ahab. Because you can't be any more or worse an idolater. You're either an idolater or you're not. Baal was an imaginary God of the people who lived around the Israelites. 
he was supposedly the God of fertility and storms. He was the one who supposedly brought the winter rains and the spring vegetation. If you see pictures of him, he was depicted as this deity carrying in his left hand a lightning bolt, which I suppose was supposed to be the symbol of power and authority. Some people don't have that information going into this story. That's what makes this story so amazing. This God Baal, who supposedly carried with him the ability to cause rain and lightning, he had the ability to cause the ground to spring forth. For now in our story, three and a half years has not been able to get it done. The God Baal that Ahab and Jezebel have led their people to worship is not getting it done. He may look like he's carrying a lightning bolt and they can pray and sacrifice to him all day long. But for three and a half years, there's been no rain on that part of the earth. Because three and a half years ago, the Lord told Elijah to tell the king that it wasn't going to rain. And so it's not going to rain. If God says it's not going to rain, it's not going to rain. If God says it is going to rain, it is going to rain. And people can't make it rain. They've tried. 1839, James Espy, he claimed that you could produce rain by heating the air. And so his plan to saturate parched farmland by building great log fires across Vast stretches of the American West just never materialized. Later on, a fellow named Robert Dyronforth said that we could produce rain by explosions, by loud noises. And he piled up enough munitions for a small war, and they said he blasted away at the skies. One observer wrote, quote, Dyronforth attacked from the front and the rear by the right and the left flank. But the sky remained clear as the complexion of a Saxon maid. Because man can't make it rain. Neither can false gods. And all of your dances and your gyrations and your incantations and everything that you might do are going to be worthless until God says it's going to rain. And then... It's going to rain and all of the incantations can't stop it. God is the maker of rain. So at the end of this season, which had now been some three and a half years, God sent Elijah back to Ahab to tell him to meet him on Mount Carmel. Because God told Elijah, it's going to rain. I'm going to send rain. Tell Ahab to round up all of the false prophets of Baal who couldn't get it done, have them meet me on the top of Mount Carmel. A few of us have been on top of Mount Carmel. It's way up there. I wouldn't want to walk up there. We have stood on the top of Mount Carmel and looked over the Megiddo Valley. You can see literally for miles and miles. I don't know. I would I, I don't know for sure, but I would think on a clear day from that distance, 
in some directions, you can probably see 100 miles. At the foot of Mount Carmel on one side is that Brook Kishon. But it's way down there. I wouldn't want to have to walk from there up and down in one day. There doesn't look to me to be any good path to do it. It's steep. It's rocky. It's rough. And it doesn't look to me like it would be an easy climb at all. But yet this is the place that God picks for this display of his power. Have everybody climb up to the top of the mountain so that I can show them who the real God is. 1 Kings 18.1 said it happened after many days. The word of Jehovah came to Elijah in the third year and said, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Elijah goes to Ahab, says, bring your prophets of Baal with you. Meet me on top. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to see whose God is God. And quite a show ensued. If you're reading along with me or looking along there with me, it says that these false prophets frantically attempted to get Baal's attention. For hours, hundreds of people in a frenzy danced, cut themselves shouted, did everything they thought that they could do to try to get the attention of their God. And Elijah, one guy, sat over on the side and mocked hundreds of people for hours. Maybe your God is asleep. Here's a funny one. He said, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he went on vacation. For hours, this goes on until finally Elijah said, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Let me read to you what happened next, starting in 36. When it was time to offer the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things by your instructions. Now, during this time that they were all trying to get their God's attention, Elijah had been repairing the altar of God and had been laying on it a sacrifice with wood. And now, before his turn, has said to the people, let's go round up thousands of gallons of water and pour it on my sacrifice to the point, he dug a trench around the altar, he said, pour it on my sacrifice until it fills this trench. This is how much water has been doused on Elijah's sacrifice. And now he prays in 37, answer me, Lord, answer me. And then these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you're winning back their hearts. So a fire from the Lord fell down and consumed, you ready for this? The burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dirt. You ever had any fire that burned dirt? 
The fire even dried up the water that was in the trench. And all the people saw it and immediately bowed down to the ground. And listen to what they said. The Lord is God. They said, the Lord is God. And it's at that point that Elijah says, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them escape. And the people seized them and Elijah took them. doesn't say this, but this is what happened. They're on the mountain. He took them all the way down into the valley at the Kishon River and they were slaughtered at that point. The valley where they were destroyed would soon become a river due to the amount of rain that was getting ready to flood that area. Perhaps the prophet knew it. 450 bodies that had been hacked up with a sword, going to be quite a mess. But the prophet knows that this brook, when it rains hard, fills up, and he knows the rain is coming, is going to clean up the whole valley. All the blood and the corpses and every remnant of the sin that had been there before is about to be washed away. The sin had been defeated, but the washing away was coming. And nobody but Elijah knew this. God had said to him, it's going to rain today, but there's absolutely no sign of it at this point. Even after this amazing revival service, there's still no sign that relief from the drought is on its way. It's been, I'll tell you something, if you were Elijah and that had been all that happened that day, that's a huge day. That's a huge day. And even if it doesn't rain, you say that was still a really good day. But Elijah's got something on the line here because he told Ahab before this whole thing started, hey, it's going to rain. So now he needs for it to rain. Have you ever told somebody something that God said? Have you ever had God tell you something and you told somebody else, here's what God told me, and then you needed God to do it? Because if he didn't do it, it made you look bad. I can't imagine anybody that was there after seeing the fire come down and the false prophets destroyed that anybody would point at Elijah and say, oh, you're wrong, you were wrong. But, you know, some people, God can't do enough. They could see a fire like this. They could see all of these things happen. They can even see what's coming next and still not be affected. Kind of like, even though, again, we're not picking on anybody, how some people are in our culture today in spite of everything that is happening around us. Still won't give God his credit. I remember a little over a year ago, the Lord spoke to me. I'm not some super spiritual giant. You guys know that. But he spoke to me. He gave me a word. I'm thankful when he does that. If he didn't ever, I would still trust the word that he has written. It'd be enough for me. But I'm always grateful when he speaks to me outside of that and confirms it with his word. He spoke to me over a year ago. And he said, the church is going to enter into a lean season. I went to the deacons and I told them. I went to the staff and I told them. I said, this is what the Lord told me. We're going into a lean season. I said, the Lord has not said we'd be destroyed by it. He said, we'll come through. In fact, he said he's going to provide for us. He said that, that we're not going to lack the resources that we need to build and battle for his kingdom. But he has said we're going into a lean season. And for a, a little over a year now, we have been 
Some of you didn't even know it. In the midst of all that, the church has continued to grow. The Lord has continued to, his presence has been in our midst. We've seen miraculous things happen. Uh, There has been momentum throughout that whole time. But behind the scenes, there have been groups of us who were praying lots of times to say, Hey God, how are we going to do this? During that time, we've stayed strong, healthy. We've been encouraged. But then recently, it's as if the drought has been lifted. And God has allowed that rain. If you've been here within the last four or five weeks, you've seen a shift in the atmosphere, in the climate. It's as if the The drought has lifted and the rain has begun to fall in our midst again. And not just in the services, but in our individual lives. Though, again, I know some of you are in the hardest seasons of your life and others are in the best. But I'm saying, by and large, as a church, by and large, as a church, it's beginning to rain. There have been answers to prayers Miracles that have happened among us. And God has been true to his promise over and over to me within this last year. Times where there were, you know, if it hadn't have been for the other 24, 23 years before this last one, I would have been really discouraged. But in the last 24 years, there have been lots of occasions for me to be discouraged. And we got through every one of those. So I'm going to tell you something. I don't brag about this because I didn't do any of it, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be really hard for the devil to do a whole lot to me to get me to quit that he hadn't already tried. He's attacked my family. He's attacked my finances. He's attacked the church. He's attacked, he burnt, attacked our other building. It's just going to be really hard for him to come up with something that's going to cause us to quit because what keeps us Hanging on is the promise that he gave us before we get into those trials. When he says it's going to be a lean season, but hang on, you'll come through it. This is what's going on in the life of Elijah on that day. Stay with me for just a couple of minutes here. The slaughter of the sin had already occurred, but the fulfillment of the rain hadn't come. God said it's coming, but it hasn't come. And he looks up at the sky, and the sky is clear. And I want you to see something. If you got your pen, you got your paper, you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want to point out four things that must have gone through Elijah's head that day before the rain came. You may be thinking some of these same things because in your individual life, you're in a drought. Pastor, maybe the drought is lifting at the church, but in my life, it's not lifting. I still need the rain then the results of this could be the same for you as they were for him. So here was what we have. Elijah, who has just experienced this miraculous move of God, has now positioned himself somewhere perhaps halfway up Mount Carmel. He has knelt down praying, and it's not raining, and there's no sign that it's going to. Here's what I want you to remember when you're praying for rain. How many of you are praying for rain? Anybody in here praying for rain? 
Here's what I want you to remember when you're praying for rain. I'm not talking about physical rain. I'm talking about the breakthrough in the spirit, the healing. Whatever it is that you're praying for, when you're praying for rain, keep in mind what must have been going through the head of Elijah that day on the mountain. Number one, I don't see, but I have heard. Verse 41, Elijah told Ahab, get up, eat, drink. Listen to this. This is an interesting choice of words. It sounds like a heavy rain is coming. There's not a cloud in the sky. Perhaps a breeze is blowing through the forest on Mount Carmel. Maybe he's hearing a little bit of breeze. But he says, it sounds like a heavy rain is coming. I've never heard heavy rain coming when there was blue sky. Have you? What's he heard? The voice of God that said, it's going to rain. The sky may be blue. There may not be a cloud in it. But you know what you heard God say and you cling to that in spite of what things look like. I don't see no rain, Pastor, but I know what God said. I hear a heavy rain coming. Don't look like it. Can't see it. Everybody else thinks I'm crazy. They all think I'm a nut. This drought's gone so far. There's no way enough rain could fix it. But all I know is what God said, and that's what I'm hanging on to. Number two, I'll pray and keep looking at nothing. Verse 42 and 3, Ahab got up and went to get something to eat and drink. But Elijah went to the top of Carmel bowed down on the ground to pray, said to his servant, please go back to Mount Carmel and look toward the sea. This is where we're thinking he's about probably halfway up and he's sending this poor servant. He said, he, he sends him back. It says, he went up, looked, came back and said, there's nothing. Seven times Elijah told him to go back. Now, any of you that have been up on that mountain, like I said, halfway up to the top is still a tough climb. This poor servant is going to make up and down seven times just because Elijah is having a little bit of trouble believing the word of God. Somebody's working. Somebody's working when you're doubting. Keep going back. It is work. It's tough, but keep going back to the top. Keep looking. Something's coming. God said it, so keep believing. Keep on praying. Keep on looking. Don't quit now. Number three. This is in his head. It's only a little cloud, but it is swelling. Verse 44. And about the seventh time, the servant said, a little cloud, about the size of a man's hand is coming from the sea. Elijah said, just from that, that's all he needed was just a speck. He says, go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and leave before the rain delays you. Now, that sounds like a strange statement. Here's what he knows. This cloud is so small. 
but it's about to become really significant. For some of you, you think, man, surely nothing of significance could come from a cloud that's so small. But you just got to keep praying and waiting because with time, the cloud continues to get heavier and heavier with rain. It, the, the, the clouds will get darker. They'll get bigger. And they're moving this way. They're gathering momentum. They're gathering power. Number four, the gathering is gradual, but the outburst is monumental. 45 and 6. Gradually, the sky grew darker with clouds and wind, and there, and there was a heavy rain. And Ahab got into his chariot to go back to Jezreel, and the Lord's power was on Elijah. He hiked up his robe and ran ahead of Ahab until they came to Jezreel. Now, that would have been something to see. I want you to understand something. We're wrapping this up. The result, listen to this. The result of obedience and faith and patience and commitment produced a downpour. And suddenly the whole mountain and the surrounding area is being, is being absolutely drenched. Nobody could get the glory for this but God. Baal couldn't do it. He hadn't been getting it done for three and a half years. And even on the day of the showdown, didn't even happen to show up. There was nobody that could get this glory because this drought had gone for so long, it was beyond the ability of a simple rain to fix it. And yet, when the rain came, it came as such a deluge that it flooded the valley. He said, Elijah said to Ahab, you better get in your, in your chariot and head to the house because if you don't get out of here pretty quick, we're not going to be able to leave this mountain. Everything around us is going to be a flood. It's going to be so wet that we can't go home. you got to go home right now or you won't go home, he said. And the water came and it kept on coming. The drought had lifted. The rains fell on dry, parched, thirsty, barren lands that hadn't seen rain in so long. They didn't even know what it looked or felt like. God is faithful. God is true. He cannot lie. He can always be trusted. He can always be relied upon. Great blessings many times arise from small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small clouds. Pastor, what I need to do? This whole thing started with a word from the Lord. The word from the Lord was, it's going to rain. He gave the word, all right, we're going to hang on to it. The rain's coming. But then there was something that Elijah was to do. Now, I'm, I'm kind of convinced after reading this and knowing somewhat the character of God that no matter what anybody would have done, it was going to rain. If Elijah didn't go to the top of Mount Carmel, it's still going to rain. If Elijah didn't go tell Ahab, it's still going to rain. If Elijah didn't pray seven times, it's still going to rain. 
Because God said it was going to rain. Pastor, then why did Elijah have to go through all this? His prayer wasn't to make it rain. It was going to rain already because God said. His prayer was to keep him on his knees in the right place from a vantage point so he could appreciate when the rain got there. Praying seven times just kept him on his face, kept him in the right position. Sending the servant back and forth just gave somebody something to do while we were waiting. God still said it's going to rain. But Elijah did play a part in being able to celebrate the rain. How much sweeter was the rain landing on his face when he knew he got to be the one that delivered the word. He got to be the one who called out the devil and slayed the prophets of Baal. He got to be the one to tell the king, you better get home or you're going to get wet when it hadn't even started raining yet. Pastor, I'm waiting for it to rain. Well, God has given you his word. It's going to rain. What I need to do, here's where you can start. Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them escape. Round up the prophets of Baal. And get them down to the river Kishon and slaughter them there. That way when the rain comes, it'll wash away every remembrance. You hear that? It'll wash away the remnant. It'll wash away the pollution of the sin that held back the rain to begin with it's time to seize the prophets of Baal it's time to round up the lies of the devil it's time to bind those things to the altars of God place on the sacrifice and start praying down the fire the fire will come and consume the sacrifice and the zeal will cause you to want to round up all the sins so it can be destroyed. Ebby Meyer made this statement years ago. He said, these are the conditions of revival and refreshing. Let any church give itself to consecration, fervent prayer, and the excision of wrong, and there need be no anxiety as to the result. There will be an abundance of rain. Today we're going to burn our mortgage. To me that says the lean season is over. But I want us to celebrate the miracle of what God has done for us in the physical by examining our hearts in the spiritual. I want us to seize the prophets of Baal so the times of refreshing can come to your soul.
it's revival time. And I don't want you to miss it by hanging on to your prophets of Baal. The rain's coming. The rain is coming. But there will be some people who won't get wet by it a drop. They'll sit right in this room. And the times of refreshing will be poured out. And lives will be changed. And people will experience the miraculous. Souls will be saved. And people will be filled with the Holy Ghost and called into ministry. And there will be people that get up week after week and walk out the back door and won't feel a bit of it. They won't even sense it. They won't even recognize it. They won't feel nothing. They'll just say, well, that was a neat service. That's what happens if you don't seize the prophets of Baal. If you don't slaughter the prophets of Baal, the rain can flood your house You'd be paddling around in a boat. And you won't even give God glory for the rain. Be just like, well, this is inconvenient. That's what happens to people when the Spirit of God moves in his house and they're not prepared for it or don't want it. When God begins to move and revival takes place in the church, people that weren't ready for it, people that don't want it, are inconvenienced by it because it causes them to get to lunch later. Are you ready? Are you ready as a church? Are you ready as a church? Can we stand to our feet as Neil leads us in this song? And every single one of you that says, Pastor, I got some, I got some prophets of Baal around my house. There's some folks around me. There's some things around me. There's some circumstances around me. For some of you, it may even be circumstances in your own life that are going to say, I've had it. I don't want to miss it. It's getting ready to rain, and I want to get wet. I'm not going to let this get by me. I'm coming down to sacrifice the prophets of Baal. I'm going to slaughter the prophets of Baal. If you're ready to slaughter the prophets of Baal, I want you to get out of your seat, come down to this altar, throw your hands up in the air, let this be your altar, let this be your sacrifice, and slaughter those prophets. Let those things be washed away in the rain that is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, well, I just came to watch you set something on fire. I'm going to set it on fire in a minute. But I'm praying that the rain comes before the fire. Come on. Come on. Lead us, Pastor Neil. Lead us. Y'all come on. Come on. Come on. We receive your rain.